Welcome to Scuba Shack Radio, episode 39, recorded Thursday, August 13th, 2020. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Hi again, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Scuba Shack Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Centropino. Well, I'm coming to you a few days early with this episode because we'll be diving this weekend. As I mentioned in the last show, we'll be at Dutch Springs conducting an advanced open water course and getting some much-needed time in the water. We're really looking forward to the trip. Today, I will be finishing up my three-part series on E.R. Fenimore Johnson, and talk about the scuba equipment company he owned called Fenjohn. And then I'll talk a little bit about a unique organization with a mission of protecting the ocean called World Ocean Observatory. So here we go. E.R. Fenimore Johnson had a long and illustrious career in underwater photography, and also with the world of scuba diving. You may recall from the first two segments in this series, Fen started shallow water diving using a Miller and Dunn helmet, first to untangle his yacht's propeller, and then to embark in underwater photography. After retiring at age 28 from the Victor Talking Machine Company, a company that his father founded, he started the Mechanical Improvements Company, and that company designed and manufactured underwater cameras and photography equipment. In World War II, Johnson served in the Navy and used his expertise in underwater photography. After World War II, Lieutenant Commander Fenn Johnson remained in the Naval Reserves and was instrumental in working with and documenting operations of the Navy's underwater demolition team. The visual evidence of the things the divers did with the underwater submarine underway probably saved the UDT as a viable force of the future. But Fen Johnson wasn't done with underwater photography yet. I guess he was also bitten by the scuba diving bug, like many of us. So he starts a company and calls it Fenjohn. And Fenjohn is a company that focuses on underwater photography equipment, as well as a wide array of scuba equipment. Fenjohn was based out of Ardmore, Pennsylvania. Interestingly, I grew up not very far from Ardmore in a little town called Phoenixville in the 1950s and 60s. It's really a small world, just 20 miles away. The address of Fenjohn was 90 Cricket Avenue, Ardmore, Pennsylvania. So just for fun, I went to the Google Maps to see what it looked like today. It's a nondescript brick building with a lawyer's office in it. I wonder what Fenn would make of it today. 
In an undated catalog from Fenjohn, there is a picture of the company, and the building looks pretty much the same way as it did today. It's a little bit of a mystery as to exactly when Fen Johnson started Fen John. In all the material that Sid Mackin provided, from the earliest dated material is 1954. I also did some research on the Pennsylvania Business Entity site, and the records show that Fen John Company Incorporated was established in 1957 and dissolved in 1959. Not sure exactly how accurate all that is, but there were two entries for Fenjohn, so a little bit of a mystery there. The 1954 catalog is titled Fenjohn Underwater Photo and Equipment Company, plus a 1954 advertisement in the May 1954 Skin Diver magazine also calls the company Fenjohn Underwater Photo and Equipment Company. And the advertisement states that Fenjohn is the largest and oldest underwater camera manufacturer in the world. That's a pretty bold statement. So I'm guessing that Fen just kept evolving his original company, the Mechanical Improvements Corporation, into E.R. Fenimore Johnson Laboratories and then into Fenjohn. That's just speculation on my part. So what was Fenjohn offering in 1954? Well, the first item in the catalog is the Fenjohn Bantam 16mm underwater motion picture camera. It claims to have been successfully used by two navies, and it states that it's the first camera that an amateur can use. It's equipped with a Bell & Howe 16mm motion picture camera that holds 50 feet of film, and it's weighing in at 21 pounds in air, for the hefty price of $1,990. So I was curious, what would that be in $2,020? So I went to the internet, and according to a website called Dollar Times, $1,990 in 1954 would equate to $19,010 today. That's an expensive camera. The 1954 Fenjohn catalog also had a still camera, and that was just going into production at the time. It also had an underwater exposure meter, an underwater tripod, and a housing for the camera that Hans Haas used for his Red Sea trip. As for dive gear, he has the Aqualung for $160, a diving vest, pressure gauges, fins, and masks. Fenn is also distributing Pirelli and Bell Aqua dive suits, and he even has a compressor in the catalog. The catalog is just 16 pages long. By 1956, the Fenjohn catalog, while it's still, being a it's still at 16 pages, is packed with a lot more equipment, and it has part numbers now on all the equipment. The cover shows a diver taking a picture of a wo woman underwater. She's not diving, she's just sitting in the sand, smiling. And they credit the photo having been taken in Florida's Silver Springs. The featured items are the Fenjohn Goggler, his underwater still camera. It looks like he perfected the 1954 camera. The cast aluminum housing of the camera could be opened and closed in five seconds 
and could hold up to 50 pictures. The price remained the same at $675. The Bantam was also featured, but it wasn't called the Bantam in this catalog, but the description and the price were exactly the same. Another new item that Fen Johnson was offering was the Fen John Universal Housing. It claimed that it would accommodate any 35mm camera for a cost of $65, but it would not be ready until March. Fen John is also distributing a whole bunch of other housings and has a wide array of accessories for underwater photography. When you look at the diving equipment, he is featuring the Scott Hydropack for $250. But now he is offering six different Aqualung setups from 38 cubic foot tanks to doubles. Fenjohn also carries three North Hill setups and two Diver configurations. There are spear guns, more diving suits, more fins, masks, snorkels, including the Medusa double snorkel, three compressors, and so much more. You could see the growth over two years. Oh, and he states prices in this catalog include delivery anywhere in the USA. Huh, Fen John Prime, except you don't have to pay $99. The last catalog that Sid shared with me is undated. And by this time, the company is simply known as Fenjohn Company, and the catalog is titled Underwater Equipment. In the foreword, Fen writes, On the following pages, there is displayed what we consider some of the most efficient and reliable, all caps, underwater equipment available. Much of this catalog is devoted to the family, again, all caps, who are interested in underwater sports. I'm guessing that the catalog is from between 1961 and 62 because they are selling the Healthway Scuba Deluxe Regulator, and that came to market right about then. In addition to the Healthway Regulators, Fenjohn is also carrying the Voigt 50 Fathom and Navy Regulators. He's also carrying the Sportsway Waterlung Navy Unit, Dual Air, and Master Diver Regulators. He also lists something called the Seamless Shark 3 and 2. I actually think that might be a typo because my research found that Seamless Rubber Company in Connecticut produced the Nemrod's Snark 3 and 2. In addition to the wide array of fins, masks, snorkels, knives, tanks, wetsuits, and spear guns, Fenjohn is selling a whole a variety of books on diving, and believe it or not, a treasure map. The catalog no longer carries compressors. Interestingly, a letter at the end of the catalog states that Fenjohn's own products are not listed, but he does indicate that you can still buy the 16mm motion picture camera for $2,000 or the universal housing for $85 direct. The letter indicates that you could rent and finally, Fen states, if you visit the Fenjohn store, you will not be pressed to buy. You will be allowed to examine the extensive display at your leisure. Your questions will be answered by real 
divers. Fenjian Company also had a pretty cool logo. The F and J were placed together to form something like a shield, with the F on the upper left side and the J forming the point of the shield. In the center is a seahorse with a wavy line depicting the underwater world. I'm not exactly sure when Fenjian closed. My research didn't come up with a definitive time frame. Some stuff that I read indicated he was still doing things in the 1970s. Fen Johnson died on April 5, 1986. What I did discover was that on June 24, 1986, 90 Cricket Avenue in Ardmore, Pennsylvania was sold to George F. Johnson and Eldridge R. Johnson II, his sons, for $1. They subsequently sold the building a couple years later. So that concludes my three-part series on an unsung hero of our diving history. I've learned a lot and hope that you found it interesting as well. Again, I want to sincerely thank Sid Mackin for the wealth of information he shared and also thank Holly Jo Mengel along with Jennifer Vest from the Drexel University uh, Archives. Eldridge Reeves Fenimore Johnson was a remarkable guy with a remarkable career in the underwater world. One of the podcasts that I listen to is World Ocean Radio. It's a weekly five-minute audio essay by Peter Neal, the director of the World Ocean Observatory. So today, I thought I'd share a little bit about the World Ocean Observatory. It all started in 1998, when the former president of Portugal, Mario Soares, formed a commission called the, the Independent World Commission on the Ocean. That commission developed a report titled The Ocean, Our Future. It's actually a book that you can purchase online. In this report, the commission proposed an ocean observatory, and that observatory would serve as a focal point for bringing together relevant information from other sources, both official, unofficial, intergovernmental, governmental, and non-governmental institutions, and serve as an interactive virtual observation site for all ocean-related activities on the World Wide Web. The World Ocean Observatory is a realization of that recommendation. It started around 2003. I couldn't exactly nail it down, but according to a note in their 2017 annual report, it says that 2018 was their 15th year. The mission of the World Ocean Observatory, or as they like to call themselves, W2O, is to be the leading organization advocating for the health and sustainability of the ocean through an accessible worldwide network of communications. Wow, that's almost identical to part of Scuba Shack's mission to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. We didn't lift it from them, but kinds of shows that were like-minded organizations. 
They fulfill this mission through education, partnerships, information exchange, public connectedness, and relentless communication. I took a look at their goals and strategies and found a couple of their strategies that really resonated with me. One is that they want to be science-based and human-driven. And another one is to be non-litigious, independent, and apolitical. That's pretty powerful. Peter Neal is the founder and director of the World Ocean Observatory. And as I mentioned at the top, he hosts World Ocean Radio. And that started in 2010. And Peter has done more than 545 episodes to date. Peter has a unique resume. And he lives in Down East, Maine. W2O is based out of Sedgwick, Maine. But I did read that they were thinking about or moving to Portland, Maine in the spring of 2020. So I'm not sure if that really happened with the COVID crisis or not. But we'll check that out. If you take a look at their website, you'll find two main areas of information. Ocean Today and Resources. There is an extensive section on ocean climate literacy, and the culture of the ocean, and much more. If you are into online magazines, you can also access World Ocean Journal, which contains essays, interviews, art, and more. One of the more interesting things that World Ocean Observatory does is to sponsor lighthouse projects. These projects are initiatives being run by either small organizations or individuals that document and renew local knowledge, skills, and values associated with the marine environment. There is also a document under their annual report section that is titled, The Sea Connects All Things 2020. If you really want to get an overall feel for the organization, this document does it. From World Ocean Radio to World Ocean Forum to World Ocean Journal, you'll quickly see how they are living up to their mission. They also provide World Ocean Explorer, and that's an educational gaming experience that is free for use in the classroom or at home for ages 10 and up. Now, in 2020, they are expanding their mission beyond advocacy through information and communication. They call this shift W2.0, where they indicate that they are compelled to invent innovative solutions and seek novel partnerships that will succeed in breaking conventional behaviors. They want to be disruptive for the good of the oceans. With over 2.5 million visits to their website each year and 865,000 followers on Facebook, you can say World Ocean Observatory has a voice. As part of the W2.0 initiative, they are partnering with New England Ocean Cluster out of Maine on an initiative they call Transforming the Blue Economy. To sum up this initiative, they hope to advance the trade of sustainable marine resources, renewable ocean energy, new sea products, maritime skills, and other activities that contribute to the future of the ocean. This is something I plan to track down here on Scuba Shack Radio and hopefully report back. Stay tuned. There are so many of us out here who are deeply concerned with the ocean, the climate, and the direction that we are headed. With organizations like the World Ocean Observatory, the oceans have a, have a voice. Check out W2O at worldoceanobservatory.org.
Well, that does it for today. I hope you enjoyed my three-part series on Fen Johnson and found it as interesting as I did. I very much appreciate your listening to Scuba Shack Radio. Please let others know about the show. I'll continue to look for interesting topics about scuba diving, the history of our sport, and also what's happening with ocean health and sustainability. Until next time, take care, everyone. Scuba Shack Radio is a bi-weekly podcast in support of our mission to empower individuals with knowledge, ability, and experience to venture underwater in pursuit of their aspirations and to advocate for ocean health and sustainability. Talk to you next time.